What's up, everybody? You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, a sports blog New York podcast. Joined with me. So happy to have you guys back in. You guys were here recently to talk about the start of the Jimmy Butler trade. Obviously, it got a little turned up on Wednesday afternoon. But joining me right now, John Lucas Duffy. What up, man? What up, what up? How we doing tonight, Petey? Doing fantastic. Happy to have you here. Happy to have the other member of the NBA Outsiders, the big three, Pete Duff. And last but not least, Frank Villani. What up, my man? What's going on, Petey? How you doing, brother? Dude, there's no better time of year. I mean, unfortunately for us New York Yankee fans, I mean, there's no Yankee fans in this particular podcast uh, of this big three. But for the New Yorkers, it's a little tough. Yankees had a tough loss. Lost to a better team in the long run, even though Yankee fans probably wouldn't want to hear that. They just want to blame Aaron Boone. But I digress. It doesn't matter now. Suck it, Yankees. <laughs> we didn't have to go there, but it's all good. Uh, I digress for the moment because it's okay. You know why it's okay, Duff and Frank? Because it's football season, and more importantly, it is now legitimately basketball season. Basketball is back. I can be the- happier. Uh, I'm done with football already. The Giants are trash. Yeah, I mean, you know what? This we're we're gonna re- release this podcast on Thursday. It's Wednesday night as we record this. The Warriors and the Lakers are about to face off on ESPN, uh, and the Giants actually play the Eagles on tonight, Thursday night. It's tomorrow for us while we speak here. But I honestly, Frank, I don't know how you feel, but I kind of like the Giants this this Thursday night. I don't know, man. Thursday night games. This team is particularly bad. At home against the Eagles, the Eagles have a real defense with a really good offensive uh, defensive line, and we have a really bad offensive line. I have nothing but bad feelings for this game. I don't want to watch it. And uh, Andrew Luck to the Giants, 2019. What? <laughs> I'm I'm speaking it into existence. All right, all right, all right. Levar Ball, Levar Ball. I'm sure the Giants wouldn't mind even just like a Teddy Bridgewater action in a year or two, to be honest. But you know what, Frank? If we were both optimistic for the Giants versus the Eagles, that would be bad news. That would be a bad sign. So I'm happy that you're pessimistic. I'll take the optimistic side. But we're not here to talk football at the moment. We're here to talk NBA, and we're here to preview the Eastern Conference. We're doing over-unders for the NBA's Eastern Conference, uh, the lesser of the two conferences, which is quite obvious to all people who pay attention to sports at all. And you can tell that simply by looking at the numbers. So we're going to go team by team. Each of us are going to make our picks. Something that we should have done that we did not do uh, today is get our records from last year because we have those records somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah. I meant to look those up, actually. I fucked it up. But it's on me. So Hand up. I blame, I blame you because you just stood up for it. So fine. I'll let you fall on that grenade all day long. Uh, but Bab, shout out Bab, always out in Yellowstone National Park, the fourth NBA outsider, not here with us. Uh, he actually, I'm pretty sure he won. So you know what? Screw him. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, forget about that. I definitely didn't lose it either. So, um, you know, new year, new me. To be honest, I, if I remember correctly, we were all in like that teetering 500 range i believe it was bab and one of you one of you two were above 500 he had the best one of you guys were above 500 and then i was like at 500 or one below so we we did pretty we did pretty decent you know what i mean uh and obviously this is more for the conversation and the preview and then obviously if you want to make some some moolah 
because betting's legal now. It wasn't last year. This year it is. So maybe shout try, out New Jersey. Throw a couple schmeckles on some NBA over unders, but let's get this thing started, shall we? We shall. And another thing we'll do as we hop through this Eastern Conference, and also reminder, we'll be coming out with the Western Conference over-unders next week, probably on Monday, but definitely before the season starts on Tuesday. Uh, we'll also shout out a couple of League Pass teams that we like because we're a big League Pass guys. We love ball. We watch a ton of it. So we're going to give you a heads up on which teams we're going to be interesting, whether or not they're going to win a lot of games because, you know what, you can stink and be interesting as heck. Uh, and we're here to find those squads. So let's start it off from the bottom to the top. So from the Hawks all the way up to the Celtics is how we're going to do this. Start it off with Frank, Atlanta Hawks number 23 and a half. Uh, what do you think? Over under, my man. Um, uh, I was really down on this team last year, and I feel like I've been given no reason to change that stance. So I'm going to stick with the under. Uh, I think trading they, – they traded Luka Doncic for – Trey Young, correct? Yes. Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna work out in the long run, my man. That's that's rough. Plus, they like don't have any of those young big guys that actually kind of played well for them last year, like Muscala or Collins. So, um, yeah, I'm out on them. Well, they but they do have John Collins, who people do like around okay. the league. Uh, and Trey Young and John Collins will probably be kind of exciting. I'm assuming there'll be tons of turnovers and missed shots, but there will be you know alley oops and long chucks from Trey Young. Trey Young, if I if I'm not mistaken, I missed the actual play, but a couple minutes before we started recording this on Wednesday night, hit like a crazy long three to win the game in this preseason uh, bout tonight. But Duff, how are you feeling on the Hawks? You feeling a little better than Frank? I'm feeling like. They're going to actually hit the over because they won 24 games last year. I feel like Trey Young will be exciting to watch, at least at the very minimum. He'll be fun to watch. I like John Collins. I like Terion Print. Is that is that how you say his name? Terion Prince? Terrain? Teron? Teron? Sure. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like him. Even Dwayne Dedman hitting threes. So I, lo- I love a big man who can stretch it out. So I, I, I can appreciate that. Um they're, they have, like, no bench to speak of. I mean, they really have, like, six NBA players on this team. Maybe seven. I like Amari Spellman. I'm looking forward to watching him. Nova guy. Uh, national champion. Uh, he'll be fun to watch because he can do a little bit of everything on the court. He can rebound like an animal. He can shoot from three. And he plays hard. He just plays hard. Um, so I'm actually going to take the over. I feel like 23 is really, really low. And they got to 24 last year, and they were one of the worst teams in the league. So they were the worst team in the conference, and they had 24. Only two teams had a worse record than them last year, and it was the Grizzlies and the Suns. Well, I'm a little upset, by the way, that neither of you mentioned the most important player on this team. Not Trey Young, not John Collins, not Omari Spellman, but... Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin. Comeback He's season, play, like, baby. Three games again. Come on, <laughs> come on, I dude. The guy. I love the guy, but like I've seen this story literally ten times over in in Brooklyn and Houston. Like, love Jeremy Lin. Lin Sanity was great, but all right. Well, he was wow, he was I'm relatively. Not, I also got. I just gotta say this: like you guys being so high on 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 Trey Young, like, oh, disgust me. Well, well he was, I, I didn't even talk yet. How do you know how high I am? Because you like. You totally shot down my under. You definitely were like not about my under. I feel. Nah, but, but I continue, just continue. 
I needed to make sure the people know that John Collins is going to be a player who's exciting and throwing down some nasty slams for the Hawks right now. Uh, but <laughs> you know what? Even though I'm trying to defend myself against you right now, you are actually correct, Frank. I like the over here, and it's going to be slight. I mean, the number's 23.5. It's going to be 24, 25 wins for this team, but they are hitting the over. And if you remember correctly from the Brooklyn Nets two seasons ago, not last year because Jeremy Lin got hurt in the first game, uh, the Nets won a ridiculously low amount of games, but about half of those wins came with Jeremy Lin on the court, and he only played like 38 games. So I expect him to be healthier this year. I expect him and DeAndre Bembry, Tyler Dorsey, to just be guys who are annoying, who play hard, who uh, have the energy filled out from Trey Young and John Collins. Like Those guys are going to bring some energy to the squad. So... They're not going to be good. They're going to lose a crap ton of games. But 24-25, I don't believe they're the worst record in the league this year, which is shout-out shout out Hawks. They actually might be trying to get the worst record in the league, but I think they get about 25. Tough to beat Tough to beat the Kings in that category this season. Yes, absolutely. It's going to um, be tough. Well, let's move it on. So Frank got the, uh, the under. Me and Frank, I mean, me and Duff are on the over for the Atlanta Hawks. Moving on, Duff, why don't you lead us off for the Chicago Bulls, a team that many people find pretty interesting and possibly pretty exciting. So give us a rundown on the Bulls and your over-under pick. So I don't think they're going to be exciting, actually. I don't think they're going to be really interesting either. Um, Lori Markkinen is going to be out for the first few weeks, so then I really feel like I have no reason to watch him. And Chris Dunn is not that exciting. Zach Levine has the potential to throw down like a sick dunk here or there. Jabari Parker might do well. Like we don't know. He just got some big money, but honestly, the most interesting players are under the age of 22 in Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe under the age of 21. So that's the only reason to watch the Bulls this season. And because of that, I have them going under 29 and a half games. I really don't think, like Jabari Parker is a good player that they didn't have on the team last year, but I don't necessarily know that will equate to wins in the same way that you can look at guys like Kevin Love, who was like good stats, bad team guy in Minnesota, and none of that equated to wins. So I feel like 29 and a half is really way too high. <clears throat> Not way too high, but I really don't see him getting over 27. Really? Are you familiar with how many games they won last year? They won 27. Correct. Do you believe they got better or worse? I don't know. It feels lateral. Like, it depends on how many games Laurie Markin is out. He played the whole season last year. He was their best player. I don't necessarily think that's changed. He still might be their best player this year. That so, is true. I mean, Jabari Parker, again, he, he's been in Giannis's shadow, so we don't really know what's up with him. And he's been hurt, so... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But no, I, I, maybe they get one or two games better, but then they're still under. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are kind of expecting them to be one of those teams that can just get buckets, but they can't stop anybody to save their lives. Like they are going to be losing games like 115 to 128. Like they're going to be giving up tons and tons of points. Uh, looking around the Eastern Conference in their competition, maybe it a little makes it a little more interesting. But Frank, what, what do you make of the Bulls this year? I think uh, Frank had... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm here. Um, my bad. But um, I, I'm actually high on the Bulls this year, higher than I was last year. Um, I was kind of unsure and, like, a little weight, like wary on that trade that they made. Um, 
getting return uh, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, but uh, I think that trade actually ultimately is going to be looked at as a Bulls win. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have high hopes for Chris Dunn. I think this is his breakout season. Um, Lori Markinen to me, has proved that he could be like a Porzingis-esque big man, you know, just like a little bit too fast for guys to guard him face-to-face at the three-point line and can shoot well enough to make it a problem. Um, yeah, I think I think the Bulls will get more than uh, more than last year, so I'd say the over. You know, when I originally looked at the Bulls, I uh, I was also with you, Frank. I was with the over. And, and really, it was because last year you were talking about uh, 27 wins. Maybe if they get one or two more, they're still under. But you were saying how Lori's hurt right now. Last year, Zach Levine was coming off an injury. And realistically, he probably is their best player. I know he really gets piled on with his lack of defensive intensity uh, night in and night out. But I think he's he's hearing those chirps. And he's a prideful guy. I expect him to like take on that role of being the guy. And him and Jabari might just be trading isos. I don't know exactly how it's going to look for the Bulls. But they have like a weird, eclectic, talented group where even their bench of Justin Holiday, Bobby Portis, and if Wendell Carter's coming off the bench, you know, in the Eastern Conference, I kind of like this squad. So I'm with Frank. I'm really excited to watch Wendell Carter Jr. If you guys listen to our NBA draft coverage, you know that I'm a huge fan of one Wendell Carter Jr. So I'm pumped to watch this Bulls team, and I think they might shock some people and get to that 30-32 win total mark. Yeah, I think this will be more of like a gritty Bulls team, you know, one we haven't seen in a while, like Joe Kim Noah, Defensive Player of the Year era. Who's there? Who's there going to be their defensive stopper though? I don't. I don't think it's necessarily going to be defense. I just mean like grit and like, you know, like in games and like you know competing. Right, just like playing hard to the final whistle. You know, teams that are sleeping. Like the like when I, when I see them face up against like a team like Charlotte, which we're going to get to obviously. Charlotte's not that talented. They have the best player on the court in Kemba Walker. Per, like a lot of nights against the lesser teams, but. He can't carry a team by himself when you have six guys playing for their NBA careers and playing for their money. Uh, even though you know Jabari got some money and Levine got some money, these guys are not proven yet. And you know, if they if they don't show up this year, they're just going to get piled on more and more, and they can find themselves like in Sacramento if they're on a trade or some crap. Like, you know what I mean? It, these guys are yeah, at the no. point in their career where if they don't show they can do it on both ends and score consistently and efficiently, they're going to just get they're going to get abused. And they need to show that the Bulls are decent enough to be relevant. Yeah. I mean, I th- this is like the year Zach Levine either becomes Gerald Green 2.0 or, you know, like more than that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't see an in-between for a guy like him. And it was tough with, obviously, the ACL injury kind of set him back last year. But uh, when he was on Minnesota, I looked at him and Andrew Wiggins, and I kind of liked – Levine more. I thought he was a more confident scorer, a better shooter, a little more versatile, uh, and they both don't really try on defense, so what's the difference there? <laughs> <laughs> There's not much. So, All right, I, Duff. I agree with you there. Uh, me and Frank on the over, Duff on the under with the Bulls. So, Duff, why don't you start us off, as Frank and I are the in-house Knicks fans here, let's let our hopefully unbiased, probably kind of biased takes <laughs> sit down for a second, and why don't you speak some knowledge to the New York Knicks for us here? Uh, I'm actually going to take the over. Whoa. I'm going to take the over on the Knicks. Whoa. 29 and a half. They had exactly 29 last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 29. 
I think they can get to 30. Now, I don't, I mean, like, I don't see them getting above 31. And there's a reason it's hard to guess these things right is because Vegas is so good at setting the line. So I I don't think they'll go way over. So don't get your hopes too high. But I think they'll at least be more fun to watch this year. Like, Knicks fans seem to like Trey Burke balling out. I would rather see Frankie Smokes in there personally. But there's got to be a reason he's not starting. Like, there's, if, if, if Fizz is willing to start Kevin Knox, who I'm most excited about, he would start Frankie Smokes if he thought he could be starting, but I guess not. And hopefully they actually do well this year. I'm actually rooting for the Knicks this year. Wow. Is, is, that, because of your, is that because of your new best friend, Amina Hassan? My p- close personal friend, Amina Hassan, and I, are both rooting for the Knicks this season. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. We're looking forward to it. I don't know if he put that on wax, but uh, we had the privilege, <laughs> Duff and I, of hanging around, of uh, hanging around Amino Hassan at this event. And he, he was like, he's like, you know, the Knicks got some juice. He is very high on Kevin Durant to the Knicks. Oh, he all didn't right, say all right, when. All right, all right. Don't say very high. That is not that He is was not very high. Thankfully, he was not budging. Every point I brought up, I was like, what about this? What about that? He's like, nah, I think he'll do it. I think, you know, this, that, I'll, X, Y, and Z, he'll do it. Thankfully, we don't have enough listeners to, like, spread this as an actual rumor for, like, to come back to us. Like, because we were literally just shooting the breeze <laughs> at an event. I mean, who knows what kind of connections <laughs> he really has with Kevin Durant. I mean, who knows? Frank, what do you think uh, of this Duffy take on the Knicks? Uh, Duff's takes are always trash, but you know what? <laughs> this one, this one, it landed. You know, every time, eh, eh, even a, blo- a broken clock is right twice a day. Am I right, though? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, I like the optimism from Duff, and I'd like to share it myself, but I honestly don't. And I don't think this is a season where, you know, Knicks fans should even expect. Like, I feel like last year, I had expectations. They were tapered, but they were expectations nonetheless. For you know a Porzingis-led team, I thought he was ready to take that step. Uh, without him on the court, I don't think they have a true alpha. I think this year, like we mentioned earlier, for some of the guys on the Bulls, I think this is, you know, possibly the same thing for for Jimmy Hardaway Jr. I know he already got you know paid kind of, but you know who knows if we'll get another contract after this. I think this is his big year to shine. I think Kevin Knox. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about it previously, but. Uh, I'm pretty high on Kevin Knox. I think he's going to be a baller. I think uh, somebody nobody's mentioned yet that has looked amazing. I don't know, you know, what it's going to mean down the road, but Alonzo Trier has been balling in the preseason. Just looks like a guy who can go out there and get his own bucket. I don't think he's a starter, but he definitely couldn't hurt a team coming off the bench right now. The way Iso Zo. Iso Zo, man. So um, I don't know about 30. Um, I'm going to hammer the under because I want the better draft pick. But all right. Lord knows I love my Knicks. The thing we saw last year, though, and this is why I, I went over with some of the lower win total projections, is a lot of teams are really going for that draft pick. A lot of teams. So when, you, when you're playing teams like that in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, it's going to be like, especially at the end of the season, no one's going to be playing anyone. And it's going to be like a race to 90 points. And those games are just so so weird. It's really yeah, hard to predict. Fun to watch. And honestly, wait, something we should have known, we should have actually mentioned by now is uh, the change in lottery structure that's taking place this year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Where the, uh, the uh, might be on the rules. The odds are a little bit more balanced out. It's not uh, 
I mean, I'll pull up the exact numbers, but basically when it was 25% for the worst team to get the best pick, now it's 14%. And it was 18% of the second pick, now it's 13%. It's much more balanced out, and there's a better chance for, say, one through eight to get the number one pick or something along those lines. I'll pull up the actual changed odds, but I believe that takes place this year. Uh, if it does, I mean, it definitely changes some things, but I think overall the implications of teams that don't have, you know, playoff expectations, uh, they're still going to be looking to be in the bottom, you know, fifth of teams in terms of record because, you know, you want to secure at least a top 10 pick for yourself. Okay, so here it is, by the way. So the top three... I mean, the top three, I guess the bottom three, the worst three records in the league have a 14% chance at the number one pick. And then it goes down from there. So then the fourth would have 12, fifth, 10, 9, 7, 6, 4. That, that is a much bigger spread than it used to be. So it used to be around 25% chance for that worst record. And now it's 14. So the one, two, and three worst records in the entire NBA have the exact same odds for the number one pick in the draft, followed by the fourth and fifth, who have just a 2% and 4% less chance to get the number one pick. So you know what? The lottery isn't quite as impactful as it once was and that can fall into play here so if you're coming down the stretch of the year and you're like wow if we lose these games we'll be the worst team in the league or if we win a couple we'll either we're, we'll either be the worst second worst or third worst it literally doesn't matter they're all 14 percent chance that could make a big uh change in how these teams wind down the season agreed for sure i don't think it's gonna be when enough you have... to change a team strategy like if you're going into the season, you know, expecting to be below 500, you're probably still trying to get that 14% chance because even though it's only marginal difference, it's, you know, every every chance, you know, helps. Every percent matters. But think about the number of teams that are probably looking to tank. So it's the Hawks, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Magic, the Kings, the Suns. They're, the Suns aren't looking to tank, but it is what it is. Um <laughs> The Suns basically are a tank at this point. Yeah, it's it's not great. I agree. It's not good. It's not looking good for my sons. At least, sons. Uh, at least your boy's shooting with his right hand again, though. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Baby steps. Kazen. I'm just looking to get better every day. Yeah. Hey, he's just looking to put up 72 in a game next year. That's all. Baby steps. So, Pete, did you give us your uh, uh, over-under? No, I did next? not, and I'm very ready to do that right now. I was actually about to get there myself. So, basically, the reason why I'm actually going over on the Knicks is because David Fisdale, I don't know if I'm just eating up all the hype. I don't know if he just knows exactly what to say all the time, but this dude seems to actually be instilling a culture, and I don't want to jump the gun, but I felt this way when they made the hire. I, I felt this way, honestly, since Scott Perry and Steve Mills have been running the show, there is a better culture here in New York than there was uh, two years ago, three years ago. Um, I think they're going to try to compete and win, and especially once Kristaps Porzingis comes back, if he's healthy and if he looks like KP even a little bit, they're going to try to win games. And I think about this roster compared to last year. Duff, you mentioned they won 29 last year. I like this team a whole lot better. I, I said this on the pod last week. We did a little tidbit on the Knicks. They're not an A at any position. Like They don't have an A player anywhere, but they're low-key deep. 
they are low-key a very deep team. The starting lineup is is projected to be uh, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., Knox, Lance Thomas, who's grown on me a little bit in a weird way, I hate to say it, Enos Cantor. But then, like, think about this bench. If 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 Fisdale starts pushing the right buttons, a mixture of Emmanuel Mude, Frank Nielakina, uh, Courtney Lee, Mario Hazonia, Milton Robinson, and then even Vonley, who has something to prove, Ron Baker's got something to prove, Damian Dotson's got something to prove, all these guys I expect to come out there and compete. I, I think there's a better team than last year, a bunch of guys who can do something with the ball. Like, last year, if I told you guys, uh, the Knicks have a fast break. Like, who who can you possibly fathom is running that fast break besides Tim Hardaway? I mean, Trey Burke a little bit at the end of the year, right? That, that, that's it? Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess Moutier by default. Yeah, Moutier by default for the end of the year when it was irrelevant and he was out of shape. This year, if I told you Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, Kevin Knox, Emmanuel Moutier, Frank, who's more confident, Mario Hazonia, uh, and Alonzo Trier, who's proven to be earning himself the roster spot, if they're taking the ball on a fast break, you're like, something could happen now. And that is something that I literally just can't remember we've had on the Knicks roster, possibly since Jason Kidd was 40 years old and looked like Elmo Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> so accurate. Wow. So I'll I, take I over, baby. I want to speak this into existence as well. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, I hope the dude is the next DeAndre Jordan. I think he's got the the physical skill set to do it. He can jump through the roof. He's tall. He's long, and he seems to have this defensive instincts, which I feel like is the hardest thing to teach a big guy. You know, but like mm-hmm. he's all over that rim. I think he could be a real rim protector. I hope we have a guy to throw him lobs. We might have a couple. Only thing I'm worried about is him getting into foul trouble, just because he didn't like play basketball last year, and he jumps for everything. He jumps to block everything, to dunk everything. So it'll be exciting, but uh, hopefully he can stay on the court. Well, he'll be he playing like 20 he minutes tops. Jumps a lot. You're, you're right about that, but at least he jumps high. You know he, what I'm saying? The thing is, he won't be playing a ton of minutes. Like even when he's no. there every night, like he's gonna be playing what 15 minutes, coming for some energy. If he's really playing well, they stretch him out. Yeah, but they got I, other I think, bigs. I think that's like gonna be the base part. If he can come in and play with like a whole lot of energy, even if he gets like three fouls and eight minutes of play, like if he blocks two shots, that's positive. The reason I bring it up is veteran players in the league are so good at being physical in specific ways to draw contact in that's advantageous to the offensive player to make it at least look like a foul. Think about the way Joel Embiid almost fouled out uh, Mo Bamba in their preseason game. Like there were some cool highlights, but Mo Bamba almost fouled out in like the first quarter. I think he had four fouls. So let me let me just that, mention to you also that you're talking about one of the best guys at drawing fouls in the league, Joel. He is, he is, and uh, but that's just kind of part of my point. Yes, of course, is, of course. It happens. Well, you know what? This has been great to take some extra time on the New York Knicks because uh, this is a sports blog New York podcast, so obviously we care a lot about our New York Knicks. But as uh, Jalen and Jacoby like to say, we got to keep it moving. Uh, next up is the Orlando Magic. 30 and a half. This team, man, you just mentioned Mo Bamba. Obviously there's some excitement there. Uh, what the hell else are the Magic doing? I mean, for real. I don't want to give away my my take, but I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going under here. But, Frank, Orlando Magic, Mo Bamba's your boy, so I'll give you the floor. 30 and a half, what say you? Oh, my God. I, I honestly can't believe they're in front of the Knicks, even with KP being out. I have pretty much always hated the Magic's roster, and I still do. I love Mo Bamba. You got that right. New York boy. Uh 
can shoot the three. He's heckin' tall. He can jump. Fun player to watch. Uh, easily the best song. You know, like, uh, players have songs about them. His his song about him, definitely the best. Always hype when Obama be. comes on. Ever. Yeah, like, come Except on. Except for the Like Mike song from the jingle, but... Yeah, but that doesn't count. Like, Mike's a fake basketball player. So, um... <laughs> No, I'm talking about the the Nike or Gatorade commercials. I want to be like Mike. Oh no, Mobamba. It's a fire jam. Yeah, but Mobamba like actually is still better. But um, yeah, no, I'm gonna hammer the under. I know a lot of people were like super into Aaron Gordon last year because he showed he could shoot the three. But I still, I'm still counting fluke. IMO. I'm not. I'm not bought in on Aaron Gordon just yet. Uh, even though I probably should be. But um. I'm not I don't like Jonathan Isaac. I mean he only had one year, but like I don't know, I think he's just a weird dude. And know? he only he only played so, like fifteen games or something like that. Yeah, weird dude, weird personality. I'm all out. No of one that. showed up to his sermon that he yeah, gave. Zero he, teammates. You shouldn't have premarital sex according to my man Jonathan Isaacs, but you know, to each his own. You know, believe what you want to believe, but it's I'm a out tough on that. for the NBA. Yeah, I'm out on that. I got a reputation up. I really, I have like less than zero clue about who's going to be, you know, dominating their guard play. Like, I, I have no faith really in any of their guards. So I'm out, 100% out under lock it. That's my lock. Mm. Can I lock right now? Absolutely, lock it in, brother. Go ahead. I, yeah, did, I thought I thought out. Duff was coming in there, so I, I laid out. But I think I think it might be one of my locks too. Duff, what do you think? I'm going over. Oh, I'm hitting him with the over. Can you disconnect right now? (laughs) Nah, nah. And if there's anyone who should hate the Magic, it's me. I talked the most shit about them last year. I mean, like, look, they're not winning like 35. I can see them inching over like 31, 32. They didn't have any sort of identity last year. They didn't have any sort of feel or flow to anything they did on offense or defense. There was just, just like a mishmash of people. Now I feel like they can finish games with Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba and just guard everyone everywhere with Jonathan Simmons and, I don't know, Fournier or Augustine, pick one. but Or Jerry Grant. Like, I could see him being a real, like, really annoying on the defensive end, super athlete, high motor, long arms. I think that they could finish games and really just – stifle teams on the defensive end and just clean up the glass when the, between Gordon, Isaac, and Bamba and really just win ugly. Like, under 100 points is right in their sweet sweet spot, I feel like. That's the zone they want to be in. And I think they could do it. And that's why I'm going to go ahead and take the over because it could be difficult at night. Sometimes people just aren't shooting great. Sometimes you can force them into it. And a team, teams like the Cavs, the Nets, the Hornets, the Pistons can really be forced into that. Those are teams all above them. Obviously, any team below them we've talked about is sitting in the lottery zone. So between the Cavs, Nets, Hornets, Pistons, like that's half the East that I feel like that they could beat on any given night. And why not? Why couldn't they? They play the Hawks, well, like three times a year. More than, so uh, They're in the same division, so more than that even. So four? Is it four? Yeah, I think it's four. Yeah, so four times a year they got the Hawks. If they can go three and one against the Hawks, they won't though. You're ten percent of the way there. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to but, W. You said something interesting there. I, I kind of think a lineup of Jerry and Grant, Jonathan Simmons, uh, 
Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba is like a crazy dynamic, just like switch everything forever and ever. And it could be like Bucks <laughs> South. Yeah, except the Bucks are like, at least they have one guy who just gets mad buckets and Chris Middleton. Yeah, uh, but like everyone else was so bad. Like John Henson was so. <laughs> and before John they had. Henson was the worst defensive center I think I've ever seen. Was it was like having so it was like having bad. a seven foot fall, a tall piece of loose leaf paper guard. <laughs> it. it was, was unbelievable. Just... But I, I just wanted to make one quick point to your Orlando Magic closing lineup. Like, y- yeah, like maybe that lineup could be cool, like in a video game. But like, <laughs> I, I don't, I really score. don't see it. Like, who's handling the ball? Like, I have no faith in Jerry and Grant to make plays for the rest of those four guys. Jonathan Simmons maybe can get some buckets on his own, but like. Jonathan Simmons buckets on his own are like elbow jumpers. So I don't know if that's like a sustainable offense. And I, I just don't know how the combination of Gordon, Isaacs, Bamba, Vucevic, Mozgov, like I see all these guys here. Even Jarrell Martin from from the Grizzlies last year will probably get some time. I see him I see I see it as like a log jam of forwards. Kind of like yeah. last year for the Knicks was a log jam of guards. Like there was more talent on the Knicks roster last year than I think people realize, but it's it's just all at one position, and it's really hard to to manage that. And I think that's going to be a downfall of the Magic this year. There's just no no reliable guard play. Wesley, I think they could have a pretty dynamic high pick and roll with Gordon and Bamba because he Ooh. can roll, he can pop, interesting because he can shoot it. And same we'll thing say, with we'll Isaac how slashing to the rim. Just throw it fucking high as shit and dare someone to go get him. Another guy that people seem to kind of like is Wesley Awundu. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with him, but what I would want to see out of the Magic, and if I'm uh, the co- who's their coach right now, Frank Vogel. Is I was yeah. actually wondering that. Is it still I Frank Vogel? It I think it's Frank Vogel. So you know, uh, let's run Evan Fournier at the point. How about that? Guy yeah. can get a bucket. Guy average. Uh, 18... Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford. Oh, Clifford just became the coach <laughs> yeah. from Charlotte. You know what? Um, he's done an okay job in Charlotte. We've seen him do mediocre teams, uh, maybe make the playoffs seven and eight. Maybe this team comes out hard. I think they're a team that's going to start off like 10 and 5 like they did last year. They're going to come out playing really hard and like win a bunch of games. We'll be like, wait, are the Magic real? Like we third did last of the way year. there. If they start <laughs> off 10 and 5 or whatever, third of the way. I'm saying Evan Fournier at the point because he can handle the ball. He can score a little bit. Make him facilitate. Just make him a super, super duper poor man's Devin Booker. Super duper uber, uber poor, poor man's James Harden. And just make him do everything offensively and just give the ball to the bigs. Uh, but they still stink. Orlando Magic under. <laughs> I love all the positivity, just so you like. They stink under. I got to keep it real and also keep it moving. Next up, a very interesting team, also sitting at thirty point five, so just over that thirty win mark. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the LeBronless Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Frank, Kevin Love is Duffy's boy, but what do you think about the Cavs without LeBron? I'm hard-pressed. LeBron leaving last time was just like, it's not just devastating to the team. It's devastating to the whole city, and they all feel it. So, um, I mean, Tristan Thompson is going to be exposed as probably the worst contract in basketball this season, in my opinion. Uh, Sheesh. Uh, I think Colin Sexton actually has a chance to be good, but, like, who are they running out there besides them? Like, Sam Decker and, and guys like that? Like, I just have... Absolutely zero faith. Rodney Hood, who I've been totally out on for a while. Uh, I mean, the only guy there that I have faith in, literally, to score more than, like, 20 points on a nightly basis is Kevin Love. Uh, so, yeah. no, I mean, unless Seti Osman is, like, 
Damn right, Kevin Love. <laughs> I mean, I wanted you know, Kevin Love I, on my fantasy team like really bad because he's gonna be. He's always a walking double double. He's gonna eat it up. He's, he's gonna, gonna be a walking twenty two and twelve guy again for sure. He's gonna he's eat gonna it up. This, this is gonna be like commercials again. All that jazz, you know what I'm saying? What do What do we think is a realistic uh, stat line for Colin Sexton? Because he's going to be getting a lot of burn. Technically, George Hill is probably their starting point guard, but we know with George Hill, he can get kind of uninterested pretty quickly if the team's not good. He even kind of looks uninterested when the team is good sometimes. If we're being frank here, uh, he just got that sleepy face. Yeah, he, he just got that sleepy face. Sleepy movements, that long arms thing, kind of works yeah. for him sometimes. Like Kyrie but, has that sleepy look, especially T-Mac, with his, with his new haircut. Sleepy. <laughs> what do we think about Colin Sexton though as a realistic stat line because he's kind of a rookie of the year candidate for sure because he, he seems to be uh, getting the touches at least so what's a stat line for Colin I could see George Hill like being disinterested like you're talking about and just being like yeah fuck it I pulled my hamstring sorry <laughs> um, and just like sitting at least 20 games this year Jimmy, and sorry, sorry, not Jimmy, but like Kawhi and then you just you slide in Sexton and then he could get like 15, four, three rebounds, a steal and a half. Like, I think that's pretty realistic. Now, I don't know how well he can extend the range. So maybe like 14.4 points. That feels a little better in my mind. Mm-hmm. 14.4, four assists, three rebounds, 1.2 steals. All right. You know, very respectable rookie stat line. Uh, no, J- point nine steals. What do we think about J.R. Smith? We didn't mention him yet. Is he going to be uh, doing uh, good uh, things, or is he going to be doing J.R. Smith, you know, clown stuff? I think he's going to be watched. This this is going to be absolute. Work. This is the last year of J.R. Smith's career, unless he gets picked up by like a playoff team. J.R. Smith traded to the Warriors. <laughs> Book Wouldn't it. surprise me, honestly. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Wanna... they took on Swaggy P and they made it work, I think they could get more out of J.R. Oh, I, I I agree, but I don't think the Cavs can. But I, I for a realistic stat line for Colin Sexton, I think if he starts and you know plays like thirty minutes a game, like say they just they throw him into the fire, so to say, right? Uh, I could see I could see like fifteen, six, and like three, but like turnovers, lots of them up the wazoo. Maybe, maybe, yeah, like maybe even lead his position at that, which I don't think is a big problem at this point right now because again like kind of like we're mentioning Cavs aren't really you know Tristan Thompson might think they're still dogs nah. but really nobody else does so um I, I I think this is the year they should just kind of throw Colin Sexton in the fire see what the kids got uh and and move on from there there was a cool Chetty gets a lot of minutes oh I really do because Ch- like give Chetty the burn baby the, give Chetty him, the burn him working out with Kawhi Durant and LeBron James was like yeah. Low key, my favorite like NBA thread that didn't get talked enough about this. this yeah, awesome. but how about just the, like so random? How about the collective laugh from NBA Twitter when Tristan Thompson said, "You know, we actually did win the Eastern Conference last year, and we still think we're this and that." And, like the all of NBA Twitter and NBA fans just went, "Wait, wait, what?" Like, <laughs> what? I don't. It's the classic case of like, well, what is he supposed to say? But I'm still gonna give him shit say? for it because. JR actually had a really good answer when he got asked the same question. He was like, uh, this, you know, it's a new team, brand new team, fresh start, even though it's like a lot of the same guys. He was just like, yeah, it's a new team, fresh start, and we're not going to compare ourselves to last year. That's done. And we're just looking forward to what we got to do next this season, taking care of business. So what you he got- didn't put any expectations on it. He didn't say playoffs. He didn't say three seed. He didn't say 50 wins. He didn't say not the lottery. Like, 
He was just like, this is a new team. This is a fresh start. I like that. So what are your guys' picks again? Oh, I, uh, I don't think we even saw them. I'm actually going to take the over because I feel like 30 and a half is just too low. Like this was a lot. Th- this team is comprised of mostly guys who have been to multiple finals in a row. So they just know how to win. Like they know how to get through regular season. Do they, they know though? how to put games away. So like we see it now in the NFL with Cleveland Browns, like they're talented, they're good. And they've could have, they could be undefeated right now, honestly, but they just don't know how to put games away. Cause they haven't been around. This team has been playing a hundred plus games for the four straight seasons. Like they know how to beat bad teams on any given night. So I feel like they could really take care of business against the lower half of the East and get to like the mid thirties at least. I, right. Like, I feel like All this right. is considerably low. All right. Like, didn't we talk like last year about how like LeBron's the only thing and now he's gone. I just don't see it. But still, like, so many oh, of these boy, games wait, hold are on, close hold on. Breaking news, for breaking no news, reason. breaking news, breaking news. I don't know if you guys uh, have on the Lakers-Warriors in the background while you're talking here. I do not. LeBron. I saw it just tipped. LeBron. No, it tipped. A, it's the second quarter, bro. What, 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 uh, 37 what, minutes what, ago. What, tipped, what are you watching? Uh, LeBron just threw an alley-oop to Lonzo Ball, and he dunked it. So we got a highlight to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> That's <laughs> gonna be sick, okay. dude. That's gonna play so many times. Oh, you know that that's on first take, undisputed, the herd. You turn on the TV tomorrow, ESPN or FS1. That's gonna be on a loop, on a loop. Can Lonzo and LeBron play together? Can they though? I think they can. Winners and losers of that dunk. Winner, Luke Walton. Loser, <laughs> Rajon Rondo. <laughs> that's good. Uh, man. Frank, so you got the under there? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm hammering the underdog. All right, uh, I'm actually really torn on this, and the contrarian in me really wanted to just go over because I kind of, I kind of feel you, Duff. I really do. Like, I agree with that. Um, the 30 win mark is just so low, but I could see this team kind of just getting in a really bad funk. And God forbid, Kevin Love, who has been injury prone, I hate to say, I know he's your boy, but if Kevin Love goes down, this team looks really bad. So. I'm, if Kevin Love, like Kevin Love, needs to play 82 games, like it, if they want to be semi-competitive, I don't think so. I think I think they only oh need like God. 60 games from him to get close to 30 wins. Like they can get to like 26, 27 wins if he plays 60 games. And then if he goes down, they only need like four more, and they got it. So here's yeah. one of my my big points here too. You know how Eric Spolstra was like not a good coach, kind of a good coach by the time LeBron left the Heat, and then he left, and we're like, oh, Eric Spolstra, one of the best coaches in the league. Like, is Ty Ty Lue a real coach? Will he actually do things this year? I'm actually kind of like, I'm kind of league pass happy on the Cavs. Like, I'm gonna turn them on because I'm just, this, I'm just are you curious. Locked, is this one of your league pass teams? Uh, this is one of my. Can league, I put you yeah. on the record. Put me on the record. The Cavs are one of my league pass teams because uh, I am a waste of a pick. I am just, Jesus dude. I, all right, how about this? Can, can <laughs> yeah, I split? Can't walk back on it now. No, no, no. I'm splitting it up. I'm splitting it up. They're a first half league pass team because the first like four weeks of the season, I just need to know what the hell they look like. I need to know. I don't know what. It is. It's Ty Lue. It's J.R. Smith. It's Kevin Love. It's Colin That's, Sexton. I need to see what they look like. I do. Pete, I got to say, like, generally I think of you as, like, a positive person, but that's the most toxic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I, like, I want to turn I'll into the first it. half of the season to see how far Cleveland and the sports town around has slid now that LeBron has left. 
ba- Baker Mayfield, new energy, new E N E R G Y in Cleveland. You, you heard it here first. I'm I'm switching. I'm switching on the fly. I'm going over. I'm going over on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're my league pass team for the first half and maybe the second. <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood resurgence here. You heard it here first. Oh, my God. Get Sp- this out of Spin move floaters in the paint, just like he did in uh, the finals, game five or game four, whatever, and we scored like 20 points. <laughs> you know how, like, there's, like, the, the kind of kid, you don't know if he's righty or lefty because he always, like. Always what? Him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly what Rodney you're saying. Hood, Rodney, Hood is, Rodney Hood is that guy. But like, not successful. You know what I mean? Just like choosing oh, the wrong sure. thing every time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. We, we totally just heard what you said, and your mic didn't cut out at all either, too. Uh, all right, <laughs> right, you know I'm sticking with it then. You guys can fill in the blanks. All right. Speaking of league pass teams, I'm gonna retroactively put the Knicks on, as a league pass team for me, just because. All right, let's go. I'm gonna retroactively lock that down because I'm not a Knicks fan. But so wait, I feel like we are technically in the New York market, from the garden. so you can't yeah. watch them on League Pass because they're blacked out in our area. But hey, it's the principle. It's yeah, the principle. I hear you. All right, all right, all right. We got to keep this thing moving. Uh, we're already going a little long here. But Let's that's what wipe that, through the nets. That's, that's what you do whatever. when you know you're talking about every team in the East, and we're just so excited that basketball's back. The NBA Outsiders gonna be here all year on the Sports Blog New York podcast, giving you the NBA content that you crave. It's just, pretty, it's just the beginning of the season. Every team feels interesting. Every know? every team, like all we, teams matter. Love it. I just feel like I'm here more to like argue your guys' answers than to give my own. So like, <laughs> it's tough for me. You know, you ask me questions and I'm just like, man, I really just want to rip on Duff's dumb answer instead. You know. <laughs> and apparently my dumb answers too. Um, hey, you know, I just pick on Duff because he's an easy target. So. And for those who think Frank is joking, so far we have exact opposites on every <laughs> single team. <laughs> If you were an NBA outsider fan in season one of this podcast or this version of the Sports Blog New York podcast, you know that Frank vs. Duff is a real thing and it's back for season two. Uh, it's just so organic. <laughs> <laughs> so toxic. Let's keep it moving. Brooklyn Nets, uh, 32 and a half. Some love from Vegas for the 32 and a half for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to start this one off just because I want to get it out and then so maybe Frank or Duff can tell me I'm stupid. I'm really interested in the Nets this year. I know Frank loves Kenny Atkinson. I do too. That guy makes the team play hard. And the Nets have a sneaky deep roster. They're one of the teams like the Net, the Knicks, except they don't have the Knicks hype just because they're not the Knicks. They're playing Brooklyn. I'm pro D'Angelo Russell. I'm pro Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm pro Joe Carroll. Don't sleep on Joe Carroll, Ronda Hellas, Jefferson, Jared Allen. Those are a bunch of guys who are NBA players. Like, I don't care how it's broken down, how talented they are, their lack of A's on their team. They have a ton of B's, B minuses. Even their young guys down in Musa and Radonis Kurox, I don't know how to say his name. Like, the rookies that they picked, they're, they're European unknowns who have talent. I like the Nets over. Ed Davis, a real player. Carice Levert, he might be their best player. I just mentioned him. They have a ton of NBA players. None of them are great, but they play their asses off. They play defense. The Nets are an over. And uh, you know what? I did this last year, and they made me sad. But lock. Brooklyn Nets <laughs> over lock. 35 Trying wins. to get burned again. Yeah, trying to get burned crazy. again. It's crazy. I'm sitting here just shaking my head like, yup, yup. Like, you couldn't have stole the words out of my mouth anymore. Uh, if, you know, if you were here last season and you remember, I the Nets. And as Pete mentioned, I'm high on Kenny Atkinson. I'm high on a lot of their players. Uh, like you said, they play hard. Uh, somebody you didn't mention, but I think is actually you know underappreciated, is uh, Jared Allen. 
Hell yeah, good bro. Good protector. Big things for Jared Afro. Allen. Uh, Great underrated Afro. Afro. Um, and, and yeah, they they have a good plethora of guards. I don't think any of them are, you know, going to be all-star contenders. Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, if he if he balls out in the second half, of this, in the first half of the season, kind of like he did in the second half of last season. Um, but yeah, I have high hopes for this team. I, their biggest problem these past couple of years has been been health. I think if they can get, you know, 60 games out of D'Angelo and their core guys, if they can get, you know, two-thirds of the season out of them, they'll be in a good place. And I, I can see this team winning, like, 35 games. Let's go, Brooklyn Nets. All right, time for me to shut it down. Um, <laughs> there's been absolutely no evidence over the past three or four years that D'Angelo Russell is, like, a good NBA player. Like, he'll put up good numbers. He'll, he'll have, like, a game where he goes, like, 28 seven and five rebounds and he'll be like a minus 20 from the floor like <laughs> it's so true <laughs> it's just like it's not great every time i see a stat line that comes up it's like oh d'angelo russell did blah 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 and i'm like all right time to check the box score minus 18 all right great thanks thanks for playing um i i just don't see it with this team i mean we thought last year that they were going to be like oh yeah they'll play hard uh you know this that everything you guys are saying they won 28 games. So they have nothing to play for. Like, they don't have a draft pick that they're tanking for. They're just doing it for pride, basically. So I don't see them getting better. Like, I think Spencer Dinwiddie was better for the Nets last year than if D'Angelo Russell was playing for everything I just said. Um, and they don't have a closer. Like, they were in games in the third quarter, like leading third quarters all the time. And they didn't have anyone to close out games. And in the fourth quarter, you just need that guy and they don't have it so under all right under 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 someone had to go under to keep me and frank balanced because obviously our hype is maybe maybe a little it. too high you won't lock it oh challenge oh damn mm, i'm looking at who's coming up next how many locks do we get we get two two locks why not two you won't don't do it don't give in don't give in i'm just trying to see how strong he feels or if he's just being you know like contrarian no, I'm a locket. Fuck you, Frank. <laughs> He's doing it just to spite me. 100%. <laughs> he doesn't 100%. believe his own pick, folks. All right, so we got we got an over lock from me. Down. We got an over from Frank. We got an under lock from Duff. So, Duff, we're, we're now rivals as well. The, uh, net, the Nets are the biggest the biggest uh, seat of contention for the <laughs> NBA outsiders. Who would have known? I mean that's just so on brand. My God, that's what that's what you get from the NBA outsiders. I mean for real, that's what you get. Uh, we do got to keep this thing moving. Uh, but for real, I'm legitimately excited about the Nets. I know I said that about the Cavs too. <laughs> so maybe my uh, maybe my credibility is taking a hit right now. But you know what? I, I don't care. I'll live with it. Uh, moving on to a team that does not interest me like at all. The only interesting factor here is does Kemba Walker get extended? Does he get traded? Does he care about winning? I think he's a pretty competitive guy, so he does. But 35 and a half for the Charlotte Hornets. New coach, uh, the Spurs disciple, James Borrego. They got Tony Parker, Malik Monk in year two. I mean, I'm just not that interested. So I'm going under here. Duff, Charlotte Hornets, what do you got? Under. Fuck those Hornets. They were, I think they were um, projected to win 42 and a half games last year. Yeah, what the fuck. Um, so, under. Just I don't even care about them. I'm not going to watch a single Hornets game this year. They're the anti-league um, pass team. Damn. 
Uh, I guess so. This is my time probably to yell that, but uh, I, I see the Hornets as a 500 team. Uh, Whoa! More, spe- more specifically Are you than anything else. Serious? It's more than anything else. It's because they're in a weak Eastern Conference. I think they are, you know, considerably better than the bottom half of teams. Uh, you know, some of the teams you mentioned before. Like I, I think the Knicks, even on a good night, probably have a hard time beating that team. Uh, but yeah, I, I, th- I see them as a 500 team. Uh, like you guys, though, I'm not super interested. I'm kind of, I think what I'm most interested to see in that team is like is Malik Monk going to be a player or is Malik Monk kind of just going to fade in nowhere North Carolina, you know what I'm saying? They have no bigs. They lost Dwight Howard, and he was Dude, like Frank a really Minsky, crucial yeah. part of that 36-win team last Frank year. Minsky, dog. Frank Will- yeah, okay. Willie Hernan Gomez, though. Oh, and Willie. Okay. I don't know. I still follow Willie on Instagram because I just never stopped from when he was a Nick. He is big now, dude. He looks strong as fuck. Yolk City. Yeah. All right. So, you know what? Yeah. This is what I'll say to defend you, Frank. Uh, if you look at the Hornets in the Eastern Conference, there's probably all top, what, you know, 15 teams in the East. He, Kemba Walker is probably the best player on the court in eight of their matchups, maybe more than that. So when you have the best player on the court, you have a chance to win. Is Batum going to be healthy? Is Michael K. Grilchrist like a real person that we care about at all? I, I don't know. Maybe there's some more intrigue than I than I mentioned there, but they just seem boring to me, and I'm going under. Um, anyways, let's move, keep this moving. Detroit Pistons are up next. They're perhaps one of the weirdest, like should be interesting, but they're not interesting. I, I don't know if it's the Blake Griffin effect. I don't know if it's Andre Drummond for me, but, but the Pistons are at um, 35... 38 and a half. I apologize. They're 38 and a half. So under 500 according to Vegas. Do we care about Blake Griffin and the Pistons and, and freaking Dwayne Casey? Like, what are we feeling, Frank, about the Pistons? So for the longest time, I've been a Blake Griffin apologist. Just like big, honestly, just like a fan of his, like, like his game. I think he's like a funny dude, whatever. And uh, I feel like I let that get in the way of my, uh, like, you know, analysis of his game. And by no means do I think Blake Griffin is a bad player. He's still an all-star, even in the Eastern Conference. But, like, I'm kind of out on the Blake Griffin being, you know, the guy to lead your team to a meaningful playoff spot and a meaningful playoff run. Um, I'm just in his boring-ass possessions where he dribbles the ball. The three-point line, but, like, to, like, wait till two seconds where he has to chuck up a long mid-range, too. It's like... That's a bad possession, whatever. Um, however, I do love Andre Drummond, uh, big Andre Drummond guy. Uh, they should be able to dominate boards and things like that, so they should be able to beat you know teams who can't really light it up from the outside. They should be. I don't think they necessarily will. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of out on this team. I, I'm gonna lock the under unless you know like Luke Kennard is something special from the guard position and can really. Uh, get those bigs, easy looks, easy points, and get that team going. Well, that, sound, that, sound, that sounded like a lukewarm – that was a luke, no pun intended, a lukewarm lock there, Frank. Are, are you locking this in for real? Locking the under? Yeah. I wasn't planning on it, you just You just said it. After after talking <laughs> it out, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I kind of got it now. Talk yourself like into it. it. Yeah, I kind of talked myself into it. Duff, what no, do you I think? Feel- I feel that this is an under. Like if if you're on a team and your two best players are your power forward and your center, that's just not a recipe for success in today's NBA. And I don't really see 
Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard or Stanley Johnson pushing them over the edge. So I'm going to take the under, and there's, there's really not much to talk about here. All right, well, I'm going to be opposite here because I actually like the over here, and it's basically just because of the number. I think they're talented enough to be that team that's like the 10-9 seed like all year long, and then all of a sudden the playoffs are around the corner, and it's like, oh, if the Pistons go on a run and they win five or six in a row, like they're going to be an 8 seed or a 7 seed. And I think that's like 40 wins. I think they're slightly under 500. I think they're 40 wins. So I like the over with them. And Blake Griffin, with all the crap that he's done, I know him and Drummond didn't play well together last year. He's he's like Kemba Walker in the sense that he will be the best player on the court. And if he's not, Andre Drummond will be in many matchups in the Eastern Conference. So I like the over. Don't think they're a playoff team. But there's, there's there's some intrigue there. And Dwayne Casey, just like we said with Ty Lue, is he a good coach? He won coach of the year. He's led the Raptors to some great seasons, but we know the Raptors actually are a pretty talented team. So what does Dwayne Casey do with a new team, kind of a, a team of misfits, if you will, uh, talking about Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin, like screams misfits. I like the over here, though. I just want to ask a real, real quick question. Like, How is Reggie Jackson still a starting point guard? Is that like just because they have literally no one else or like, are they still trying to like be on that train? Like Reggie Jackson could be point guard. Well, you know it's, I think mean? he's it's, just a stopgap. Like it's their, pa- their backup is Ish Smith, yeah. and then Jose Calderon, and Jose Calderon is dead, so <laughs> it's a corpse. They're paying Reggie Jackson, so they kind of have to play him, kind of have to buy in. He's done good things at certain times of his career, but also looked horrible at other times. So I don't know. Um, moving on, though, I got over. You got two unders from Duff and Frank there. The Miami Heat are kind of an interesting interesting team when you talk over-under. They're, they're real gritty. Uh, Spolstra has them playing hard. They have the guys, you know, like Josh Richardson, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. Uh, Dwayne Wade is back. Goran Dragic. I mean, they are a tough team. They play well. Kelly Olynyk can do some things. Justice Winslow is probably due for for an uptick in his career. Uh, Forty-one and a half, though, for the Miami Heat. They're a playoff team last year. Hard to see them not in the playoffs in the East. And obviously, the Jimmy Butler trade talks kind of throw a wrinkle into this over/under number. Um, so, Duff, start us off with the Heat. Forty-one and a half, is it? Did I say? Uh, forty-one and a half. Forty-one and a half. Um, what do you think? I. This is like so close to being a lock for me that it will be over because basically it comes down to, do you think Spolstra and essentially the same roster from last season is a 500, <coughs> 500 team? And I don't think they are. I think they're better than 500 at least by one game. So that makes it pretty easy for me. And because they're the leading contender to get Jimmy Butler, if they get him, it is a lock. Like if this trade Absolutely. had already happened, obviously the line would have up. They'd be at like 47 with Jimmy Butler probably. You think 47? I mean, I think Jimmy Butler... Depends what they give up. Jimmy depends Butler puts them up. above the Wizards, puts them right in the Pacers-Bucks range, and that's 46-47, so, yes. Yeah, that's Jimmy, fair. Jimmy Butler's that good to, to take, no, that's fair. To that's take fair. a that's mediocre fair. team and make them con- like contending in their conference. Not contending for the championship or anything like that, but he is that good. No, that's that's fair what you just said. So, yeah, I mean, I got him... I got him in an over, and I feel very confident about it. Frank? Uh, oh yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that. Uh, I think this is probably the easiest pick right now uh, that we've done so far. I think it's an over. Um, my my two points of contention, I guess, would, you know, I, I don't see an uptick in Justice Winslow's game just because uh, he can't shoot. So, um, <laughs> Simple. Yeah, there's that. And then I, I'm 
Hassan Whiteside, like, he's slated in here as the starter, but, like, I would not be surprised if, like, a third of the way into the season he's just been getting outplayed by Bam and they decide to go to Bam, which I, I don't think that really, you know, is going to change that number too much because even if he does take the starting role, I think it'll still probably be pretty 50-50 between the two. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's an easy one. The Goran Dragic is, you know, top five point guard in the Eastern Conference, easy. So, and I think he's somebody who doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, all-star last year. I'm with you guys over. It might be one of the easier overs for me in this whole Eastern Conference, and that makes me nervous when we're all just like, yeah, over, easy money. Like, has to be. Uh, that makes us <laughs> <laughs> look like idiots when we're all wrong and they hit the under it's and they stink. It's a lot for the under now. <laughs> That's where we <laughs> need Bab, you know? We need Bab for that one. Yeah, yeah. like like, Bab's, pa- like Bab's pacer call last year. Bab was the only person in America. And he locked yeah, it in. He like, beginning of the season, too. he locked it. He was but like, just for reference, last season, Bab on the over-unders, he went 11-4. and four. Wow. Did you pull up the numbers? Holy shit. Yeah, he went 11-4. and four. I didn't pull up everyone's numbers, but... Yeah, don't pull up mine. <laughs> <laughs> he was 11-4, and four, which I is... I feel like I was 4-11. I feel like that's how much better he did than me. <laughs> I know he just was like, yeah, Victor is going to be sick this year. We are like, what? Shut up. Like, he couldn't do anything... Okay, I was like, see. yeah, maybe, but anyone else? Like, yeah, who yeah. else? Wow. Yeah, well, I, don't think, I think like, a couple of guys in that team surprised me, like, it's a bonus and shit like that, but we can keep moving. We can move. Keep it moving, keep it moving. Washington Wizards, 44 and a half. John Wall, Bradley Beal, we know about them. We know about Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre. They add Dwight Howard. Some people think that's ridiculous that it'll make him better. Some people think Dwight Howard brings something to the table. So, Duff, start us off with the Washington Wizards, 44-and-a-half. They've been a playoff team year in, year out. Uh, health comes into mind with John Wall last year. Um, but what do you think, 44-and-a-half? I got him at an under, and I got him at a soft under. I feel like it's 44. I feel like someone's going to get hurt. That's just how it is, and we don't root for that to happen, but I just feel like John Wall, Brad Beal, Dwight Howard, someone's going down for one reason or another. It's just going to happen. And then if one of those guys goes down, there's really not they, – they kind of all need each other to make this thing work. Not No one on this team is good enough to carry it by themselves. They don't have someone like Giannis who can just really be like, all right, I'm going to drag you guys to the playoffs, and I really don't care. And it's just not the thing they have. They have a lot of, a lot of solid guys who are between like – Brad Beal and John Wall are both between like the 16th and – 25th best players in the NBA, like somewhere in that range. And like, that sounds high, but it's really just, it's not enough to really dominate any other NBA team into submission. The way someone like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Giannis, even Jimmy Butler, even Jimmy Butler, any, or Kawhi Leonard, assuming he's the Kawhi of old. So they really need, each other to make this thing work and based on the chemistry issues that they had last year it seems kind of clear that they don't have the mental makeup to work this thing out and honestly for all that drama that they're going to have this is one of my league pass teams as well with oh. the wizards I'm going, this it's like decadent it's like the, for the same reason people watch shameless i'm going to watch the wizards it's just like <laughs> so much shit happens through the course of the season it's like oh they just blew out the Sixers. Oh man, maybe they're turning this around. Nope, they just lost the magic. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> oh, they're wearing all black to a game against the team that beat them three times already this year. Oh, they're gonna lose by twenty. <laughs> uh, so, just I'm gonna chime in again, uh, and I kind of hate like 
literally since we mentioned how can like contentious me and Duff's picks have been, I I, I haven't disagreed with the kid. Um, <laughs> but I'm out, yo. I I was like, again, I was a big John Wall fan, so I was kind of like an apologist for some of the downsides of his play, and like I, I'm not. I'm not doing it no more. I'm I'm out on it now. I'm not gonna keep buying in and looking stupid. So, um, if anything, I think if that team does have success, it's more so because guys like uh, Otto Porter take that next step or Kelly Oubre take the next step. I think we've seen the best we'll ever see from John Wall and Bradley Beal. That's that's an opinion. You can disagree, but um, for that, I'm gonna hit that under. And I I do disagree. Like all of a sudden we we expect Dwight Howard to go to like a meddling team and be the answer. Like, uh, and I, I don't know to say this to be insensitive or whatever, but Dwight Howard has been a cancer his entire career. Every team he's gone to, that's why he's been on so many. Chemistry killer. Chemistry killer. What changes that? Well, I'm so glad. All, honestly, all I see, all I see is a team that kind of, kind of was cancers before Dwight. So, man. Well, I'm so glad that you guys laid this one up for me that I can gain this easy point on you because this is an over. This is a hard over. Uh, I'm in on the John Wall vengeance season. John Wall heard the fat jokes this couple uh, past couple weeks in the summer where he took that one picture. He looked like absolute garbage, and, and, and he's not having it. John Wall, maybe because he's on my fantasy team, maybe not, is going to have oh, a fantastic yeah. season. Uh, and <laughs> when may you- or may not be because he's playing for – Team, well, like, team like, I just want to throw another part in here. Like, I saw a clip on Twitter of reporters in Washington asking, uh, asking John Wall like about his partying habits, and he's like saying things like, "I'm a grown man; I can do what I want to do off the court." Like, again, I don't disagree with that sentiment in the slightest bit. But like, if you're a professional athlete, and some people kind of notice that you're out and partying all the time, like, you know. You're playing for this pretty short time. You probably shouldn't be wasting away doing dumb shit. So I, I'm kind of out on John Wall's redemption season. I think he's like a, a cocky, friggin', you know, entitled person right now. I think that's that's, that's what I get from him. Strong takes from Frank on the NBA Outsiders podcast. Uh, but again, thank you guys for leaving this point for me. It's an over. Uh, look around the Eastern <laughs> Conference. How many teams have a, like a really strong chance of having two All Stars? Uh, the Sixers, obviously Simmons and Embiid. You have the Raptors with Lowry and Kawhi. And then after that, you know, is Chris Milton going to be an all-star this year? I think so, but probably not just because people don't appreciate him very much. Bradley Beal and John Wall may be the most dynamic backcourt in the East. Actually, I'm saying it. They are the most dynamic backcourt in the East. Could they also be, like, the most least impactful, like, all-stars in the Eastern Conference as well? Like, I mean, John Wall was hurt for, like, a portion of last year, and... I'm I see 44 and a half, and I think I don't think it's like uh they're gonna win 50 games. I don't think they're gonna win 48 games, but I think 46 is super in reach for the Washington Wizards. And you saw it last year when they played the Raptors in the playoffs. When they play hard and they play like they care, they compete, and they're pretty damn good. And I think you get a team that feels insulted. You get a team that is is overhearing that they're a train wreck, and you know, you put a team together that plays hard and shocks some people. I think we look at the Wizards come playoff time in the same ilk that we see the Pacers and the Bucks, and, and I I can't imagine it to be any other different. All right, fight me later about it. 
Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Keep it moving. Uh, Indiana Pacers, like we just mentioned, one of those teams people now expect something from. Last year, only Bab did. So they kind of shocked the world with Victor Oladipo's surgence. Uh, he's an all-star. He's a lock. He's one of the better players in the league at this point. I mean, people are really high on Oladipo. Miles Turner and Sabonis seem to be a dynamic duo. Um, they had a great year last year. Their number is now 46.5 with some expectations on it. Do they have a lock on this over? Do they have a place in the Eastern Conference playoffs? What do we think about the Pacers? Frank, I'll go to you first. Can I push? Because I really want to push. I mean, they can't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go ahead. But. All right, I'm going to push because I, I actually think that that's like the number when I see this team in my head. Like, uh, I will but not you... lie. I definitely not one of the people to see Victor Oladipo. I actually gave up on him. I'll be 100% honest. But, man, was I wrong. And I will admit that. Um, same thing, like, I wasn't out on Zabonis after his rookie season, but I definitely did not see him being the type of player he is. Um, he's super impactful and probably will never be an all-star, but I could see him being in the league for, like, 20 seasons. Um, like you said, Miles uh, Turner, one of the better big men in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, at least offensively, um, can get his own bucket from the post, which is, you know, kind of like a, an extinct thing for big men. We'll have him face up now. Um, but, like, besides that, I, I like Bojan, uh, Thaddeus Young. Like, this is a team that just competes on both ends of the floor each night and gives himself a chance to win against any team in the East for sure. Soft, soft take on going push on 46 and a half. <laughs> yeah, so, like, four, is it 46 or 47? Like, what do you see? What number do you see in your head? I feel like I see 47, but, like, I don't see it so comfortably. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the mo- mo- more, like 60% of the playoff teams in the East will probably be, in my opinion, within like five games of, of 500. So, so you're right. you're a fair weathered sports take artist. I guess. Kind of. <laughs> Duff, what do you so like? I'm kind of hot on the John Wall, you know, so I had to cool down a little. Fair That's enough. Fair. Um, I'm going to take the under. Actually, I don't think it'll be by much. They won 48 games last year. It was a breakout season for Oladipo and the Pacers. And I just think they're not going to be able to take teams by surprise like they did last year. Last year, no one saw that coming except Justin Babb. Not one other person except our former and always in spirit outsider, Justin Babb. And I just think teams are going to be ready on them. They say this in the NFL. They got tape on them now. And everyone knows what they're really going to do. I think Tyreek Evans was a really underrated acquisition. But other than that, the team really isn't much different. You know, they got Darren Collison and Corey Joseph as their primary ball handlers. I mean, I I don't know necessarily how I feel about that. Is Boyan Bogdanovich your boy, Pete? Is he going to have, like, a great season again? I don't know, like... Well, Oladipo is their primary ball handler. Yeah, I was going to say, I think their primary ball handler would be Oladipo. And well, even, fine, fine. Honestly, and like, even Tyreek Evans. I would put Tyreek Evans mm-hmm, above both mm-hmm. of those other point guards as well. But they're not going to start together. They might finish They might finish games together, which could it make it completely more. different. But I don't think they're going to start together. And unless they see a big jump from either Miles Turner or Sabonis, one of their uh, young guys – 
I, I don't see them making the push back to 48 wins again, like they did last season. I think that was kind of an anomaly and that they, I'm not saying they're a bad team. I just think, you know, 48 wins in this league is, is really a lot of wins. And they put them four games ahead of the bucks. Like, do we think they're going to be four games ahead of the bucks again this year? Like where, where are these wins going to come from? Like if we think the bucks are going to get better and who had the over on the, on the wizards, I did. Yeah. So if you got the over on the Wizards, that makes the Wizards at least two games better. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know where these wins are going to come from. Yeah. I'm Maybe looking, I guess from the Cavaliers. I'm looking at all They're my picks win. here and uh, I have a lot, I have a lot of overs right now. <laughs> you have a hefty, hefty overs. <laughs> but I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with my guns here. And the reason. I'm going to take the soft under. So you got a soft this. under. Frank's soft got a soft under. push. I got a soft over. I got a soft. We're all going soft here on the Indiana Pacers, but. The reason why I think the Pacers are going to hit the over is because they're a team with little to no weaknesses. I mean, you mentioned the point guards as their weaknesses. I don't think Darren Collison and Corey Joseph with a sprinkle of uh, rookie Aaron Holiday are a bad trio of point guards. I think they're just average. I think they're fine. But when Old Depot and Tyreek Evans are doing most of the ball handling, it makes up for it. And you look at this team, even their bench, Doug McDermott's kind of meh, but Sabonis off the bench, TJ Leaf off the bench. cuts, take that back, right? <laughs> yeah, for real. And I, <laughs> I, I think, I think Old Depot is one of the hungriest players in the league. I, I take the soft over. I don't think they're going like forty nine wins, forty eight, kind of not even crazy. Frank said he thought forty six. I think forty seven. I think the Pacers are right there. They're a five seed. They're a four seed. They're in that range. And, and I got the soft over with the Pacers. I like Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But. Yeah. Wait going see. back going back to the Bucks, who I just mentioned before, which is just absolutely they have the most electric player in the Eastern Conference for my money. Thanks. And I cannot wait to watch this team all season long. Frank, wh- what are you feeling about the Bucks? Uh forty seven so and a half. I, I'm pretty sure I already hit both of my locks, but if I didn't, uh this would be another overlock for me. Uh really the only thing I think that can plague or hurt this team this year would be uh, injury troubles for Chris Middleton again and having some trouble spacing the floor with him not being there. But besides that, uh, not that players, players, players don't get hurt in contract years. Everyone knows that. Okay. That, that also, but like, you know, a lot of people, you know, Brooke Lopez is definitely not the answer defensively at the center position uh, compared to John Henson. Uh, I won't even pretend like that, but I think he will add enough offensively to the team to kind of combat his negative defensive impact and the, the rest of the team around like I mean like we said Gian, I picked Giannis as an MVP last year I, I personally believe probably a year too early I think this is probably going to be his campaign to go for it um, I know that's probably another soft take to go year after year with the same guy but regardless um, yeah I, it, to me this team is all contingent on health this over under but I'm going to take the over and be optimistic about how to continue my trend of hard overs or soft overs doesn't matter uh i'm taking the over as well and you guys forgot to mention a really important part of the bucks offseason uh acquisitions and that's that they have a real head coach mike budenhoser is the coach of the milwaukee bucks we know what he's done when he has any talent on his team 
he's has them competitive. He has them winning, playing defense, and moving the ball. I expect nothing different out of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and they're a team that's sneaky deep, too. I think you, you look at their rookie signing in Dante DiVincenzo. He'll do some things. Pat Connaughton was a fine little player in Portland. And, and the real big acquisition for me, for the Bucks, he's going to be playing crunch time a lot, if you ask me, and that's Ersan Ilyasova. He's a guy who I totally wrote off as an NBA player who matters. And then I saw him play some meaningful basketball, and he can really space the floor. He can kind of put it on the ground a little bit and move it. Uh, I like the Bucks. I think that's kind of an easy take right now. Giannis is pretty much everybody's uh, lock for MVP. Not lock, but most likely MVP this year. Um, and Chris Middleton. Like, just don't sleep on Chris Middleton. That guy can ball. That guy does so many things on the court. He gets no love. He should have been an all-star last year. I think he has a good shot to be an all-star this year. I'm going over on the Bucks as well. My over-trend is continuing. I'm going to hit the over on this one, too. And first things first, Pete, don't you dare slander uh, Joe Prunty, who has been my family's accountant for several years now. <laughs> so, and I, I'd appreciate it if you apologize. Um, but I'm going to take the over. I, like, absolutely, Budenholzer is going to be really good for this team. It's going to add some really nice dimensions. I... I I, if he got squeezed the best out of like Kyle Korver, uh, Damari Carroll, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, like I can't wait to see what he can do with Giannis and Chris Middleton, who are better than all of those players. So it's going to be a really, really exciting team to watch. And Giannis every night can just do something spectacular. And I think what you said about Ilya Sova is right. Like he, he can really give your team some meaningful minutes and shout out again, Dante DiVincenzo, Nova guy. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this team. I think they're going to get to like 50 wins. I think this is a pretty hard over. Ooh, lock. You got one more lock. No, 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 no. I got one more. I'm saving it. I'm okay. saving it, bro. Okay. Did Budenhoser's Hawks bet on the first season, they have five all-stars or four? Four. Damari Carroll was the starter there. He did not, right? Who was the center? No, it was Al Horford, Paul Millsap, All Stars, Kyle Corver, Jeff Teague. It was four because Damari Carroll was there. Like that was my final point was just going to be like Mike Budenholzer. Those are guys who I mean, how many All Star appearances do they all have? Besides, like Paul Millsap probably has the most, right? Well, yeah, and Horford Horford. snuck snuck up on a couple there too. But like besides that, I'm pretty sure Jeff Teague hasn't been to one since. Nope. Uh, And yes, like. Just talk about maximizing players and stuff like uh, he maximized players who I think whose ceilings are way lower than some of these guys in the Bucks. So I'm excited to see that for sure. That's like I said, I'd lock it if I had another one. Can you can you give me another one? Just lock in all of your picks, Frank. Frank's all, all yeah. Frank's picks are locked yeah, except for the, except for the if Pacers. You guys want to win some money? <laughs> just follow my picks. Uh, let's keep it moving because we got the big three of the Eastern Conference left. We got the Sixers, the Raptors, and the Celtics by far and above the best teams in the Eastern Conference. It's a shame that we're not getting them to them uh, until an hour and 20 minutes in the podcast. But, hey, if you're listening and you care about uh, the NBA's Eastern Conference, you're here for these three teams because they are the most interesting. And thank you so much for listening this far because it's been a long journey navigating our way through the Eastern Conference over-unders. But this is an overarching preview. Though it's over-unders, you can listen to this all year long, in the first couple of weeks at least. So let's keep it going. The Sixers are definitely going to be a little polarizing. They were mostly love last year. Some process haters out there for sure. 
but Ben Simmons is electric. Joel Embiid's electric. They're a very strong team with two fantastic all-star players in Simmons and Embiid. Duff, do you want to go first on your on your Philadelphia 76 or do you want to wait for me and Frank to make our takes? Nah, hell yeah, I want to go first. All right, so, go on, get. I'm going to take the over on this. They got 53 wins, 52 wins, excuse me, last season. And I think they're just going to be better this year. You just get another year of Joel Embiid. You get another year of Ben Simmons. Like, that was his rookie year. That was his floor, okay? Everyone just get ready because that was his goddamn floor. And you're adding in Markel Fultz. You have three top three picks, two number ones, one number three, I want to say Joel was. So I'm really excited for this team. I'm a little worried about their depth because the acquisition is a Bellinelli and um, Ilyasova at, towards the middle end of last season were really crucial for them. And that's sort of that, – that makes me a little worried to say that. But this is another year, Robert Covington and Dario Sarge, who I cannot wait to watch. Dario Sarge I think is going to be electric this season. He was he he's been getting his linear growth over since he came into the league has been so great to watch. It, it seems like every first quarter, him and Simmons have such a connection. He gets Dario a wide open layup every single first quarter, and it's really fun offense to watch with all these guys moving around. And I'm not really too worried about their shooting. I I, I think Dar, Dario is obviously quality, Rocco quality, JJ Redick quality. Joel, I think, is going to get better. I think he shot maybe 34 from three last season. I think off the top of my head, this way shot. But, yeah, I'm going to make this an over. I'm not going to lock it because I'm just not. But I'm going to take the definite over. Well, one person you forgot to mention who I actually happen to be very high on, and I'm not forgetting why he was drafted number one overall, is Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Maybe back. He never really showed up, but he's back. He's here. He's here for the first time. He's back for the first time. I don't know what he is, but he's going to be playing basketball this year, and he's going to be doing positive things on the court. I think minus the shooting, he does a lot of good things on the basketball court, and now he's showing the confidence to take a lot of mid-rangers. We'll see if the three-point ball comes around. With all that being said, and I agree with everything else with Ben Simmons, I, you know how much I love Ben Simmons. He is arguably my favorite player in the league to watch. Sixers will be electric to watch, but I do remember how they got to uh, above 50 wins last year. They had a soft schedule in the second half of the year. They just went on an absolute tear. Uh, I believe they even started that tear without Joel Embiid or finished the tear because he hurt his face or something like that. Um, I'm going under. Yeah, Markel Fultz ran into Markel Fultz. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. real. Like Shout out Fultz. Him and broke his face. I'm still <laughs> going under, though, on the Philadelphia 76ers, and it's a soft under. They're a 50-win team without a doubt. They are a playoff contender. They can hang with the Celtics. They can hang with the Raptors in the playoffs. I think last year a lot went right for the Sixers. I think this year some things kind of turned more into a struggle, uh, how they kind of work things out, how they coach with Brett Brown. Is he a good coach? We don't fully know that yet. We don't fully know that yet. I think they're fantastic to watch. They're going to be electric. But I like under 50, 51, 52 is where they end up. Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to agree with you, Pete. Um, I think it definitely is not gonna affect the on-court product as much as you know maybe I think. But like all that stuff that happened with uh, exiting GM and now brand new GM Elton Brand. Uh, I know Duff mentioned how important the mid-season acquisitions were for this team last year. I just don't have faith 
not that I did have a ton of faith in uh, uh, Colangelo, but like whether you had faith or not, the results proved that he made the right moves. So I'm kind of I'm kind of wary on it, but not enough to push me far away from 50 wins. I think I think you kind of hit the the nail on the head there. They're a 50 win team, definitely a playoff team. Probably will be one of the only teams I think that has a chance to you know push the Celtics to a couple couple extra games maybe this season. So we got two unders on the Sixers. It's kind of shocking because yeah, there is so much hype and Ben Simmons and Embiid are so dynamic. Sarge is so good. Um, but I think like it's not going to be a bad 52. It's not going to be a, a bad season. It's going to be good. And 52 wins is nothing to laugh at. It's very good. Um, and they're going to be electric. But I feel like they're going to be slightly targeted by some other teams in the league this year. Is that crazy to say? They kind of now have a target on their back. And B likes to run his mouth on the court. Uh, Simmons is quiet, confident. I mean, but they didn't have a target last season with Joel running his mouth and Simmons being a rookie and they, people want to show him what's up after all the hype. They like, only kind of had a target because they were still nobodies. They still had never made the playoffs. They still had a rookie as their their best player, in my opinion, Ben Simmons, even though most people think Embiid's better. Um, there's going to be a target this year, though, because now they made the playoff run. Now they've been around the block. And, and you know what happens in this league when people get more and more exposure, there's more and more hate that comes along with it. I think they hit some road bumps this year. All right. If you say so, I mean, I for my money, they're the second-best team in the East until Kawhi kind of proves it, which I, I think he will in the end. I think the Raptors, who won 59 games last year, I believe, and I think, yeah, 59, I think, they're a better team with with Kawhi Leonard instead of DeMar DeRozan. And they, their over-under is 55.5. I think they're going to be actually... Uh, Say it. Him and Han, man. I'm going to take the over because oh. they're a better team than they were last year. I don't think they're four games worse than they were last year by adding Kawhi Leonard instead of DeMar DeRozan. Especially if... Kawhi is motivated on a contract year and he really wants to get out of there and prove to people that he's not a locker room issue. He is still very capable on the court. Don't worry about uncle Dennis. He's fine now. Like he's not going to be ruining shit. Um, And with Nick nurse, new coach, Dwayne Casey, I think was a good coach, but it's like the Tom Coughlin thing. Like things just get a little stale and you just need to make a change. And I like the shift yeah, towards a younger coach. Giants, by the way. Oh. Uh, well, all right, maybe not the best analogy. But, maybe, uh, all right, the Red Sox. Go to the Red Sox, who okay. went that's off Terry Francona, and then they had John yeah. Farrell, and then they won. Yeah. So, that's, that's a much better uh, analogy. Yeah, so forget <laughs> I even talked about the Giants. I'm not, I'm not a football guy anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm going to take the over on them. I'm not going to lock it in, but I'm going to take the over. Frank, what say you? Man, I like... I want to have my own original take. Let me go first next time. But uh, I agree. I, I can't help but not agree. Kawhi is a better player than DeMar DeRozan. It's it's simple. I don't care if he hasn't played in the season. The guy was pretty consensus top three, which DeMar DeRozan hasn't even been consensus top ten. So there's clearly a, an improvement in talent on the team. Uh, and I, I just think, like, what Kawhi brings to the table, I mean – I'm assuming a lot. I'm assuming Kawhi is Kawhi, but like until I'm proven otherwise, I'm gonna believe. Like 
I guess I'm kind of on the opposite end of the fence as up there, but um, he had quad, he's a string quad. Like, how hurt could the guy have actually been? He was unhappy. That's why he didn't play. Whatever. But um, I think low-key, kind of, I know this is not a hot take or whatever, but I think there's something to be said for Toronto kind of being like a low-key spot. And, you know, Kawhi seems like a low-key guy. I know that, you know, whatever seems doesn't actually seem to be what he is. But um, I could see Kawhi kind of falling in love. Not, you know, not going to predict where he signs next year, but I could see him falling in love with the city, at least for the season, and kind of like, you know, playing hard for the fans and giving it all out. And let's just be honest, the past, you know, five years, Toronto has been probably the most consistent, consistently good regular season team since uh, Larry and DeRozan kind of started that, you know, cornerstone part of the franchise there. And I just don't see that changing. They're, they've been a good regular season team and they will continue to be a good regular season team. All right. I think I'm going to be the contrarian once again here. And, you know, part of me kind of, I started from the, the lower East teams and worked my way to the better teams and I picked a lot of overs. So part of me was like, I need to pick some unders here. How, where can I convince myself that I can pick an under and I'm going with the Raptors and it's kind of an unscientific take where I, a lot of people are just expecting them to be that team and to be great in the East again. And I'm, I'm going opposite. And part of the reasons are like, what does Danny Green have left? Obviously he's a true professional, but he's never really looked good outside of the Spurs. He, he had a couple of years where he was around and not on the Spurs and he ended up back on the Spurs pretty quick. So what does Danny Green bring to the table? I mean, the, the Raptors are kind of Spurs East adjacent at least a little bit, so maybe it works for him. But Serge Ibaka is older. Jonas Valanciunas has been proven to be not really impactful in big moments. And like, what does Greg Monroe do for them? I love OG Ananobi, but like Fred Van Fleet, I loved him last year. Is he that good? Is he that type of player to just be a, a bench beast again? So I think they're going to be a, a really good team. I think they're third or second in the East, but I think just like the Sixers, they're slight unders. They're a 50-win team, but they're under 54-and-a-half. They're going to be 52-53. But, like I said, come playoff time, they have a Kawhi Leonard and not a DeMar DeRozan, which makes them that much more competitive when it matters most. But over the long haul of the season, there's going to be some some bumps. They're going to be working stuff out, trying to figure stuff out. So I kind of like the under here. Boo. Oh yeah, boo. Good <laughs> so you so you went over on the lowest teams with the lowest records. Yes, and I have in the I ha- middle and you're going under on all the good teams. Well I have I have a reason behind that. So everyone just thinks the East is so much worse than the West, which is true. But the East plays most of their games against the East, and the bottom of the West isn't good either. So, yeah, they're going to get smoked by the Warriors and smoked by the the Lakers and the Jazz and whatnot. But, like, some of these teams are, like, they're going to, the, the, the lower teams are going to be able to win games against the lower teams in, in the West as well. Last year, the record was much closer East versus West than you would assume, and it's because the bottom of the West is absolute trash. So these meddling teams, these meddling teams in in the East can actually win games against the Western Conference. They're just going to lose against the best ones, and it becomes a wash. So what can they do against their peers in the Eastern Conference? And I think the East is a little bit more close than we think. I mean, we'll see. One team that's definitely not close to any of these other teams because they're just so far and away than every team in the conference, the Boston Celtics. Yes, correct. My Boston Celtics, if you will. Um, 
You can't claim a team. I'm going to claim whatever damn team I want, Frank. You don't get that privilege. Get out of my face. Whatever, bro. Uh, My Sixers, my Celtics, my Phoenix Suns are looking forward to the 2018-19 season. Um, As you can can tell, 48 and a half, you could probably guess. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to lock in the over. And I got burned last year because I took the lock on the 55 and a half wins. And that would have been a lock if Gordon Hayward played more than five minutes. And if Kyrie Irving played like the last 15 games of the season, they would have gotten at least one more win. Um, So I have no reason to believe that they won't be four games better, four wins better than they were last season. Like barring serious injury to Kyrie and Gordon Hayward again, like I feel like this team could be 60 wins if one of those guys goes down again. Like, just one. Like, Hayward or Kyrie go down, fine. Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, they can all grab the rope and really make a big difference. Also, there's like a off chance that they trade for um, Anthony Davis. Oh, so off chance. There's don't say never say never. They've been eyeing him down for years, and he obviously doesn't want to stay in in New Orleans. It's just a matter of will the Lakers want to make that move first, or are they both just going to kind of play chicken all season? Um, but he's going to go to one of those teams, and if he does, that's like the easiest sixty games you ever saw in your life. The impact that he has on both ends of the floor. But again, like I said, I still think they hit the over without Kyrie or. Gordon Hayward, forget about Anthony Davis. Like, they can still do it. They, the young talent that is on this team is unrivaled, uh, like around the entire league. There's no team that has as many good players under the age of 25 between Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier. Um, you just can't match that trio as far as I'm concerned. Well, actually, the Sixers, but they just have the depth on the Celtics is way better. No, wait, let me jump in here for a second. But the depth, I, I don't exactly. Know. That's what I was going to say. Kyrie Irving and Al Horf, Gordon Hayward, like they just have this all-star veterans that the Sixers don't. I, I don't and know. this is a lock, and it's a league pass lock for me. If you don't like watching this team, you got a big dump in your pants. <laughs> then you don't like basketball. Uh, Frank, let me go first because I don't know what you're going to say, and I'm kind of similar to Duff here. This is a lock. I'm overlocking this thing because – they're a 60-win team. They are by far the best team in the Eastern Conference. They can actually withstand an injury to Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward and still be the best team in the Eastern Conference. We saw it last year. We're in the playoffs without those two. They freaking grinded it out, and they played great games, and they played great defense. And, and like you said, kind of with the, the Sixers, like Dario Sarge and Ben Simmons getting better, same thing for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. They still got the grit and grind of Marcus Smart. This team knows what they're doing. Brad Stevens is a beast. This is a 60-win team. The over-under should have been 60-and-a-half, not 58-and-a-half. Uh, so lock easy over for me. This team's awesome. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference, and it's not close. And I think that's part of the reason why I went under on Sixers and Raptors because I think the Celtics are in the class of their own. And they're highly motivated this season. So I think 64 is, like, so within range. 64, 65. Think about what the Rockets did last year. I think that is well within range in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I was like going to be like, oh, yeah, Katrina, but like, <laughs> tell, tell it how you feel. It's not even funny to like be like that right now because like 
like I think I think we might have said the Bucks earlier were the easiest, but um, that was easiest to that point because it's pretty obvious that this is this is the easiest one in my opinion. They're by far they they have the best starting lineup in the Eastern Conference and they probably have the best reserve lineup in the Eastern Conference as well, which is a crazy combo. Um, yeah, good for you, Boston. I'm not happy about it, but good for you. All right. Well, that brings us to the end here, an hour and 40 minutes into the podcast. So we talked so much about uh, the Eastern Conference here. What's going on, Mark? I know you're here, bro. <laughs> and we, Shout out, Mark. We're out here still talking, and we love this stuff so much, as you can tell. The NBA Outsiders on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Just a re- quick recap. Not going to go through all the picks, but on the lock front, I have the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics as overlocks. Uh, Frank has the Magic and the Pistons on underlocks. And Duff has the Hornets. Is that right? No, wait. The Nets. Yeah, we put you into the – I was reading my list wrong. Uh, We had you – we pressured you into underlocking the Nets, and you overlocked the Celtics, so we share a lock there at the end. Uh, This is going to be more interesting than I think we could imagine because when it comes down to it, the West is way better. Facts. They have better teams at the top. They have better teams in the middle for sure. That is where they definitely win it from that That's where the biggest difference is. The 6 through 10 is way better in the West. But, you know, when you talk in Sixers, Raptors, and Celtics, those are some real legitimate teams. Uh, And the East is a little more interesting than we we may think. And I think that happened last year as well, Uh, only more so this year with LeBron leaving the Eastern Conference. It gives us a reason to say, like, who's going to take over, who's going to take control. And I think we kind of all believe it's going to be the Celtics. Big facts. Well, no no need to keep this thing going any further. Uh, Sports Blog New York Podcast, NBA Eastern Conference preview and over-unders from your boys, Pete, Duff, and Frank. Any last words before we say goodbye, finally? I miss you, Bab. Yeah. Bab, come back. Bab, I hope you break your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> again. You know what? Break his hand I'm again. Gonna say it. I don't care that you broke your elbow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening so much. If you're still here an hour and 40 into our podcast, that just means that you're an awesome person who cares about basketball like we do. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you feel so kind, if you're still here, that means you have some time on your hands. Go to iTunes, have a podcast app, drop in some stars and a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us. How about this? Tell us your locks for the Eastern Conference. What teams do you think are going to take control and, and, and hit the overs or hit the unders? Give us your takes. We want to hear from it. Also, at SportBlogNYC, at NBA underscore Outsiders. You know where it is. Thanks for listening, everybody.